Let's go on yeah, a trip. Let's go on a trip. Yeah, baby. Anything leisure, we're into. Okay, let's go. I'm Angela Caterns. I'm Ian Rogerson. And welcome to Suddenly Senior. This is a podcast series for those of us who've reached a certain age in life. That's right. You can join if you're not our age, but it'll be a lot more fun if you are. <laughs> so strap yourselves in, check your blood pressure, light your spliff. Pour yourself a small bevy and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Lynch, AOCBE, has been general manager of the Sydney Theatre Company, the Australia Council, the Sydney Opera House and South Bank in London. And it is a pleasure to have him as our guest on Suddenly Senior. Michael, hello and welcome, my darling. Very good to see you, Ange, <laughs> and to see Ian, an old colleague from the wicked past. It, it is. It, it's a frighteningly long time ago, isn't it, Michael? Very scary. <laughs> so, darling, it's a it's a question that we ask all our guests. Was there a moment, Michael, when you realised that you were suddenly senior? Well, it certainly wasn't at fifty five or sixty five, uh, but seventy was a little ominous, uh, and that was a, that was a year ago. So, I've certainly um, gone into the fold of the senior since. And how's it feeling? Um, it's been very bumpy road. I you know, sort of had a tr- very traumatic year last year where my wife of 34 years died in November. And so the last five months has been pretty tricky and adjusting to both the end of a you know, long-standing, um, fabulous relationship most of the time um, and then coming into the world of, you know, sort of what's going to happen from this point on was um, it, it's been hard, you know, coming to terms. I, I haven't found it so hard becoming a senior citizen, but I think discovering what grief is and, you know, get, working out how you get on with the rest of your life and how you deal with people and, you know, the, some of the weird things that happen around sort of cataclysmic events like that has been pretty interesting. Mm. With those cataclysmic events, which is something really, when you think about it, at our time is becoming more and more frequent, uh, you have to have a certain sort of agility, I think, when, when you get to our age. Um, and that agility has to be an emotional agility as well at the same time. Yeah. I'd, no, I'd always thought of myself as reasonably competent at coping with most of the challenges but as I became increasing I had polio as a kid and so um, in the last few years I'm much less physically able but no I've still got a brain or the remains of it and I've found (laughs) the idea of being able to respond to what's going on um, personally, but also then what's going on in the weird world. I've got kids, I've got grandkids now, and then you know, putting all of this happening through COVID and you know, imminent war or whatever else mm. has meant you, you know, you, you, I suppose the biggest thing that I found myself adjusting to is that I'd never really spent a lot of time being alone. I'd you know, spent you know, 50 years in relationships and, you know, sort of I then suddenly found myself both through, you know, my wife's illness that 
um, a lot of the time, you know, outside hospital, I was alone. And then you start to adjust to a different world. You know, when you think of, of being alone, there's so many people our age who are and have been for a long period of time. Um, and, and, and there's a comfort that comes with being on your own, strangely enough. It, it, with a household full of people, I tend to crave it slightly. Uh, you know, they're the adjustments you, you have to make. Yeah, and you know, for me, being alone was probably a good thing. I'd spent most of my life working in manic jobs, having to be nice to people, having to suck up to people, having to boss people. So that whole thing of um, you know, moments of contemplation, I took up meditation at the instigation of my daughter. That gave me you know, something to work into the space that actually I'd never, I'd always poo-pooed it and thought, no, no, I'm not going to have to do that. Um, I haven't yet resorted to therapy because the only time um, my doctor referred me to the therapist, I saw her twice and then she said, oh, no, we'll have to conduct the rest of this on Zoom. And I said, I can't do therapy on Zoom. And so I never heard from her again. <laughs> so it was uh, an interesting experience. So I've sort of thought the meditation and the idea of being alone was probably a good thing. But, you know, there probably comes a point where, the idea of thinking, oh, do I really want to be alone at this point in time? I'm not entirely sure about that. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yes, I, I'm alone. I live alone except for my beautiful dog. And, yes, it's sometimes uh, it's very lonely as a matter of fact, but you just have to kind of force yourself to build a community around yourself and, and be active within that community. But, Michael, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've, you've spent a lifetime working in the arts. Is there respect for seniors in that industry? Probably a little more than banking or hedge funding or fine Or advertising. Um, <laughs> uh, I've found, you know, I, I guess one of the, you know, the more joyous bits of what's going on is that I still, I, I'm on a couple of boards and I chair a circus company where the oldest person in the room is me by about 40 years. And, you know, being engaged with you know, those people and, you know, on the other arts boards I'm on, um, you know, they they do tend to value your experience. They value, you know, the the opportunities you've had. And so that feels, you know, it's quite a good way to segue into dementia or, you know, any other state that, you know, may be coming down the track. But I do think there is respect. I, I think it, you know, tends to probably be a bit misplaced. I think, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for actors and, performers because I don't know that they get the same thing. It might be more the bosses that, you know, sort of they think are still relevant in terms of looking after people. And, you know, I think a performer's life is 10 times harder than any of the the jobs that I've done. And, you know, I've been well recompensed, well recognised, all of those things. But I think, you know, many of the, the people I know, and I've got, you know, a couple of kids that are performers and, no, I think they. It's a much bigger struggle for them, and uh, as they get older, and it doesn't matter whether you know, sort of, on, from the actor's point of view, you know, that you know, once you hit thirty-nine, it's probably getting tougher. Yeah, maybe early twenties too. When you think about it, Michael, uh, you've done leadership really, I guess, all through your career. You've been a natural-born leader. Um, and, and it's something that also suits you. You, you. You're very good at saying, right, lead the charge, let's go. Uh, is that something that, that uh, is an inherent sort of 
talent of yours, do you think, or was it something you learned, or is it it's just your tenacious nature? I think you do learn it um, by doing it. And I made a, I was travelling through Asia in the 70s, early 70s, and I read Alvin Toffler's Future Shock, and it said, you know, you're going to have 10 careers. And I thought, okay, that means I can only really do jobs for five years. And so I started off doing jobs every five years, and cumulatively you learn a lot, you know, you do good things, bad things. But I suppose the... The th- I always, part of it came out of having had polio. You sort of had to compensate a bit for, um, you, know, you know, you weren't able to run as fast or swim as fast or do those things. And so you found yourself thinking, well, I've got to, you've got to play with the people and either take the people with you or go along with the people. And so the people part has been the strength of my leadership. I've been, uh, you know, whether they be big organisations like the one I just, the last one, which was West Kowloon in Hong Kong, or the Opera House or any of the other um, arts organisations, is that you've got to work with people. And in the arts, most of the people who determine how successful you are uh, in the building while you're at home at night time. And you know, they're the people that have got to take responsibility. So the people who are on the, the bottom of the, the ladder, the stage managers, the foyer people, the, the people running you know, the service bits, they're there if anything goes wrong. So you, know, you just need to have create some sense of I'm working with you rather than I'm telling you what to do as mm. they might do in the banks or some of the other places. Mm-hmm. Michael, um, you received a couple of gongs. One of them from the Queen, who I think opened the the you know. We're renewed. very close. <laughs> I thought I was going to ask you. Now there's a senior for you. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I'm on. You know, so I help Malcolm and those people do the you know the referendum on the Republic. So I'm still a card carrying member of the Republic team. But as um, you know, in London, you know, you're running a, a British institution, um, she was part of it. You know, she came and opened it, um, and she'd been there for the original opening of it in 1951. This is Royal Festival Hall, and um, so she came back in um, 2007 when we reopened it after doing this massive renovation of it, and she captured me. Uh, me and Billy Bragg were there on the night, Far and, out. and she was uh, <laughs> Billy Billy Bragg out there more as an even British Republican, and me there as the Australian Republican, and she charmed the pants off us. And um, and then when I came back uh, two years later, I think to get the CBE, and she. You know, draped it round my neck, and she said, no, "Mr. Lynch, you know, it's lovely to see you again." Oh, wow! And, uh, so that uh, was a good thing. She is a remarkable. Fantastic. You know, it hasn't changed my Republican views, but um, she is the best example of a senior sit that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, That's what right. a shining light! <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Do you? Do you uh, well, uh, just while we're talking about it, because it's not very often that we get to talk to a commander of the British Empire who's actually been in front of the Queen uh, and met a a couple of times. And I'm just thinking, do you think it's all going to be over after she passes? Uh, For us? I don't think it'll be over there, but I do think and hope and feel it's entirely appropriate that it should be over here. Yeah. It's gone on too long. You know, it's 30 years since... um, 
no, the referendum, I think, now. And I just feel it's time to for us to grow up and, you know, even, you know, to, be a, to but ensure that you know, one of us can be our head of state. Yeah. Yes, yes, of course. So, Michael, I just wanted to ask you, how, how, how do you feel when you walk into, you know, a venue or a, a function or a bar or a restaurant that's completely full of young people? Oh, very excited. <laughs> uh, look, I was yesterday, yesterday I was at the Opera House for a LinkedIn TEDx gathering and I'm on the board of TEDx and, you know, I was by far 25 years ahead of everyone else in the room, including Dylan Orcott, who was the featured um, player. And, you know, it's interesting to me to just look at new generations of of people out there and, you no, know, that still excites me. And I think the scariest thing for a lot of old people and a lot of people, you know, that have gone through grief and, you know, lost partners and, you know, that they they tend to look at it within their own prism of, you know, their friends, you know, the people around them. And, you know, I've actually found, you know, the greatest joy to me is, you know, understanding, you know, more and more what my kids do, um, what my grandkids are doing, what you know, their friends are doing. So I you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the idea that you know, I still might have some utility in terms of advice or wisdom or experience, mm. but you know, sort of also I can you know, sort of still be part of you know, what's going on in the world. And, and you can learn from them. Yeah, absolutely learn from them. No, I've found it fascinating. You know, sort of the thing that makes me, the, the circus is such an extraordinary thing where all of the people are so physically and mentally adroit and, and take risks and do things that, no, I've never you know, done before. But it just makes me feel when they go on the stage, I, you know, I'm incredibly excited. That's wonderful. But have you ever felt invisible? Um, yeah, there have been moments. Bars are sometimes a little bit scary. <laughs> um, I assume, um, you know, I, I had a date this week for the first time um, organised by an old friend and um, you know, I sort of was feeling pretty... Uh, and as I walked into the... It was a con- the first part of it was a concert, and I thought, "Oh, Grandpa's here!" Uh, and everyone else was you no know, about. I don't think anyone hit thirty eight. Um, and you no, know, the 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 woman who I had the date with was um, you no know, younger than me, but older than the other people. But it was a very funny experience, and we're, it, it probably got us off on the right foot. Michael, you know. It- I guess disability has to be something that's defined you in many different ways. Um, and, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, I could go into the fact that you've you've fought and you're on the board for, for Polio Australia as far as against the NDIS aren't covering polio, which I find staggering in this country. But as a disabled man, and you're the first one we've had that, that's in the senior years, it, 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 does it get harder? I mean, and do you feel you've got any support from society? Um, not much. I, I'm appalled by the fact that the NDIS 
um, you know, exclude anyone who had polio who's over 65. Um, and, you know, that is just unconscionable. Hell. Both sides of government colluded because they knew it was going to cost them so much money. Well, it's going to cost them so much money as it's very clear now. Um, I've, you know, I think the thing about disability is that for my, my first 30 or 40 years as a person, I pretended I didn't have a disability. I played football and did, you know, in crazy ways and ran and, you know, danced. And, you know, so that was always quite amusing to the rest of the world. Um, but, you know, when I, you know, as I started to become a little less um, strong and agile, um, I you know, thought you do tend to disappear into the shadows. And when I took on the patron role with Polio Australia, you know, these were all people who were largely, you know, at least my age or older, who had gone through terrible times over most of their lives. You know, I had a blessed bloody life. There was no question about it. And then up until, you know, sort of recent years was, you know, the disability, disability an issue for me. Um, but no, it's it's a hard thing, and I think it's really important. I looked at Dylan Alcott yesterday and thought, you know, I could have been advocating for disabled people rather than advocating for arts organisations or you know, various other things. And I probably should have done that. It's probably one of my few regrets that I, you know, Ooh. wasn't out there more in an active. Um, advocacy role for disabled people as distinct from the other groups, whether they be republics or arts or, you know, related areas. Well, there's so many things to cover, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't do them all, Michael, although I think you would try. Well, the disabled one's one that I now feel I can, you know, sort of hammer hard and not worry too much about. You know, the one good thing about being, you know, 71 is that you no? Know, you don't really care that much anymore about consequence. I, you know, how many more people can I piss off or irritate? I've done most of that over the the previous years, and so this time I think if they don't like me, um, no, tough. Yeah, Michael, I wanted to just go back to your first um, dating experience. So it wasn't someone you met online. It was someone. It was a it was a blind date that someone had organised. How did it go? Did, yeah, it, did it feel I, I just, strange? It was it was like you know, time travelling back fifty years. Um, you no, know, I'd always was a very nervous data, uh, you know, in my you know, teens or twenties, and I think uh, you no, know, but uh, luckily this wasn't strange at all. So it was you know nice experience, and you no, know, it was a a good thing, and I think. You know, one of the things that you know, comes out of grief is that you're supposed society's expectations that you lose a partner, you're supposed to go into Perda for two, three, four, five years and stop your life. Well, that's the last thing, you know, Chrissy, my wife, would have wanted for me and it's the last thing she would have thought would happen. And we talked about it a lot and, you know, she wouldn't give me a list of who was on it or who was off it. But, um, you know, it was something that, you know, you've, you know, trying to think about getting on with life and, you know, having some joy in your life is really important. And I think one of the things that, you know, grief does to people is that it, it just shuts down the joy. And, mm. and if you shut down the joy, you know, you may as well jump. Yeah. What are the things you'd look forward to these days? What what excites you the and interests you? A second date would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, we'll see how you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I could come back in a while and uh, pick that up. Um, I, I love, you know, I've got two grandkids that are you know, one almost one and one almost six, and that is just a revelation to me. Um, you know, my kids are still you know, gorgeous and difficult and complicated, but they're in their late 30s or early 40s, but the grandkids are great. Um, there's still lots of things. I still like seeing great performance and I prefer to not just see it with an audience that's older than me. Mm. And so, you no, know, I try to, you know, sort of broaden out you know, the things that I still want to see or still want to do. It's weird because just you saying that, I suddenly had a flash on the audience for the Mike Walsh show, which they used to bus in from senior centres every day at midday so they could take it in and have fun, maybe have a sandwich. Uh, and the idea of age as it was and as it is now is so totally different. Well, I hope it is, um, but I still see a lot of sad people. And, you know, I was watching that you know, program that ABC did with kids and, and people oh, in those homes. homes. Mm. And, and uh, to me, that was a brilliant, brilliant idea of getting four-year-olds with 84-year-olds and, and just seeing how um, those that had always embraced and you know, liked people um, you know, were able to relate. And then some of those really sad ones that, you know, had cut themselves off completely from, you know, humanity by, you know, not being able to, you know, sort of go back to mm. what they once were. Can you see yourself ending up in a nursing home, Michael? I do not think so. No, no, I'm privileged enough for all of the good jobs that I've still got a couple of hacienders that I can, uh, you know, no, not, no big steps. And um, But I, I think uh, as, as soon as if they're about to take me out to the nursing home, I may find that a, a challenge too far for me. I don't, I don't want to. I, I, my mother and um, died in a nursing home, and it was not a great experience. And you no, know, I just think that you know I'd try and hang at home as long as I can. Hmm. I, I think we're all with you on that one, actually, to tell you the truth. Unless they end up with a really funky well, nursing home. I, I was interested. In, there's a place in the Blue Mountains where I've got a house called, and it used to be called the Ritz. And I was thinking high end aged care for old people who um, didn't want the normal would be quite interesting. Now with extra loofering. <laughs> with all sorts of you know, other offerings that we could yes. put about and entertainment <laughs> and the like. Yeah. I, I think the Ritz for over 70s could be a nice. really hot place oh, in okay. the near future. <laughs> Let's go there tomorrow. Um, Michael Lynch, it, absolute pleasure having you here and having a chat with you and thank you so much for taking the time out. It's a great pleasure. It's the first time I've talked about my new status in senior citizenry so it's very nice to be doing it with two lovely people oh, <laughs> from my Thank past. you Michael. A delight to have you on. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Thanks Ange. Thanks Ian. Look, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like and also subscribe. Thank you for listening. I'm Angela Caterns. I'm Ian Rogerson. See you next time, Ange. Bye. And I want wine with my meds. <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs>